let's look at the waiver wire for fantasy basketball. I don't need to do any more in the intro. That's all we're talking about. Waiver wires, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and shout out to Henry Kissinger. That's 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 right, Adam Silver, isn't it? Yeah? Yeah? That's what we're going with? All right. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. Just quickly to get this out of the way now, this waiver wire show, we're not really focusing on tomorrow's in-season tournament semifinals. There will be a show coming later today that specifically looks at streaming options, order of priority, that sort of stuff. Um, also had someone yesterday say, hey man, in your, in your weekly, in your daily streaming shows, you should go back to listing a bunch of guys that you should stream in an order of priority. I do. Literally at the end of every one of those shows, so I, unless I'm missing something, the end of the show is that there's a list of 10 team streams and that cascades into another six 12 team streams and that cascades into another six deep league streams, which then goes into six points league streams. So that is, so you just got to watch the end of the show because that is there as, as it always has been. But yeah, just in case, um, because those streaming shows have less viewership than my other shows as well, for some reason, but yeah, in case you didn't see that, but you're seeing this now. It's there, and it's it's a part of the show. So we're talking waiver wire here. This is more a longer term view. It's more of a where can we find value versus what am I doing exactly today or tomorrow? Um, how we're we looking long term on this stuff. So again, we will have a show later on today, not far after this, talking specifically about Thursday's in season tournament semi final action. So like I t- said, we are just going to look at the waiver wire as more of a broader overarching thing. It doesn't have to be rest of season. It could be next week, next two weeks, but we're not looking at single day stuff here on this one. And let's just go where we like to go. And these names are almost the same as where they were when we did it on Monday as the must roster players on the waiver wire. All of these guys available in over 20% of leagues. The two italicized names on there are more specific for category leagues and points leagues, but these guys in general should be rostered in all leagues. Herb Jones sits at 76%. Yes, there is going to be fluctuation in Herb's numbers. He might lose a starting spot to Trey Murphy. He might not. It also probably doesn't matter. He can still get 31, 32 minutes a night while Murphy gets 32 off the bench. It is possible to be done despite... Was it... Who who was it? Um, Alvin Gentry, when he coached the Pelicans, and he was like, I'm actually keeping... um, I'm going to keep Drew Holiday coming off the bench because it's way easier for me to um, play him more minutes. Or or something ridiculous that he said. I, I can't remember it. It was dumb. But anyway... Herb Jones and Trey can play enough minutes, and Herb needs to be rostered in every league. Points leagues, again, debatable in 10 team points, but I would have him in 12 team points. Zach Collins, Keegan Murray, they were both on the list on Monday. 
They're still sitting at 78% rostered. They should be rostered in every league. There is no exceptions for those guys. Malik Monk at 62% rostered. He's a new uh, entry onto this list. I did do an adjustment to some of his numbers. His minutes are up. Some of that is tournament related, but I'm not sure all of it is. He's playing at a super high level. He hasn't missed a free throw in weeks. And he is a, he is a sell high for sure, right? His numbers at the moment are crazy. He's like the 50th best player over the last two weeks. That's not going to hold. But I do think he can beat top 100 at least for a strong stretch here. So I don't think he should sit on any single waiver wire. Max Struess also. I thought there's, there's more new names on here than I expected. Max Struess, the Winter Soldier, sits at 78%. I was skeptical of Struess for the first two weeks or so. And I, like, I don't know about this. He's never had steals or rebounds or assists or blocks or done anything. He's never even been, honestly, a reliable three-point percentage player. He hadn't been. And this year, he's blown it all away. Tons of minutes. Everyone's healthy. I'm not sure what the skepticism here is on, on Struess now. We're seven weeks in. He's a must-roster player. The last one is the Wave Pool, De'Anthony Melton. Kelly Oubre does return today. It maybe has some impact on Melton, but Melton's game is not usage. It is not millions of shot attempts. And I don't believe that Oubre coming back is going to push Melton to play 24 minutes. So I am not worried about it. We will assess, as we always do, every single day, every single week, every single month. We're just constantly looking and assessing and changing valuations. And this is where you know that you're, you're doing something right in fantasy. Me, for me, but for you in general. Is if people say to you what, two things. They say, man, you change your mind so quickly. And then someone else also says to you, man, you're so stuck on your prize. That means that you're actually doing it correctly and you're making the adjustments at the right time, I believe, because they're obviously two contradictory statements. So if people are saying that to you in any of your leagues where you've changed your mind on this guy or why are you still holding this value, if you're getting both of those things attacked at you, and obviously there's nuance about individual specific situations, but having an ability to, to adjust at the right time without being hyper-reactive is an important thing in fantasy. And that's what we aim to do on this channel. It's what I aim to teach. And I'm not always going to get it correct. I'm going to get some of those things wrong at times or maybe go a little too early or be a little bit too slow like I was on Max Struess. But having that sort of blend of not going too fast, but also be very willing and ready to change your opinion is a key thing to having success. So as for Melton, at the moment, I'm not that worried about it. There might be a slight hit, but in three weeks, if we come back and he is playing 24 minutes a night and taking four shots a game because for some reason they think Kelly Oubre is the answer, well, then we change our mind on Melton. That's simple as it gets. So it's very hard for me to predict what's going to happen in two weeks, let alone rest of the season. That's why we've got to be nimble and ready to adjust and make those moves at the correct time without overreacting. And I hope all of that made sense without me rambling because I just downed a big coffee. In terms of the droppable list, there's only three names that really stand out to me, and they're names that we've talked about before. Russell Westbrook is 83% rostered. I see no justification for Russ to be a 10-team league player or a 12-team league player. In a points league in 12s, I get it. You might want to hold, but to me, you are well, well served to not have him on a 12-team category league roster. You can, but the value in having that spot open to add somebody for Thursday, for yesterday... Even today, like if I needed to say stream Orlando Robinson, a name we'll mention later on, in today, like I would much rather have the value of Orlando Robinson today than hold on to Westbrook through thick and thin when his upside's not that high. Ron Barrett was on this list last time. He remains on this list, even though he did score 23 points last game. He did it on poor field goal percentage with no assist steals or blocks. And this is the problem with him in category leagues. Again, in points, there's a little bit more value in Rowan, but in category leagues, you don't need to do it. And the same with Andy Wiggins. Now, Wiggins could easily regain his form but we are seven weeks in and he's shown it once. And there is a lack of urgency at times with his game. The lack of conditioning is keeping his minutes down according, well, not according, according to sources within the Warriors. And the play of guys like Moody coming up from behind is impacting him. So I just don't think you need to do it. Again, he might be good later on. Cool. 
I'm not. I he's been on my drop list since week two, and he's still rostered in I think far too many leagues at the moment. Old mate Andy Wiggins. Today's episode is brought to you by Fanjul Sportsbook. As the weather gets colder, the offers at Fanjul. Oh my god, they've turned it right up to eleven. They are so hot and toasty. You might get contact burns. That is how hot these offers are over at Fangio. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Now, you wouldn't want to put a $5 Moneyline bet on, say, I don't know, a team that's lost, what is it, 14 games in a row? The Detroit Pistons? But have they got a chance? They play the Grizzlies today. Maybe we could have a look there and really get that $5 money line bet going. Probably not, but you never know. If you get your $5 money line bet to hit, you get those bonus bucks, $150 in bonus bucks, and then you look at parlays. You can look at spreads and totals and futures in season tournament. Who thinks going to win? Four teams left. You can bet on that over at FanDuel as well. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and get ready to crown a winner of the NBA's in-season tournament. FanDuel's also an official partner of the NFL, some other league, I don't know. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Okay, let us go back in now and talk more waiver wire stuff. Let's look over the last 48 hours, and that could often give us a good trend of what's going on, the most added players. But in this case, a lot of them, or some of them, are stream guys that we don't need to worry about. And the number one most added player in net ads and gains, according to our advanced roster percentage over at Basketball Monster, is the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. You obviously very, very clearly move on. He was a good ad for yesterday, and now you drop him with the heat of a thousand suns. Move on. Get him out of here. Nas Reed, up 12%. Curious. Reed was really good last game, but this is absolutely red light screaming at me. He scored a lot of points last game, so therefore we've got to add him. Which is true, but I'm going to tap the sign. Maybe I should get these signs printed and put them at the back. Maybe, maybe that's an idea. Instead of the Loki posters, we get some signs at the back where I say, when you add someone after a good game, you don't get credit for the good game. It doesn't happen. So is Reed going to score 24 again in 23 minutes? Almost definitely not. Is he an okay ad? Sure. Is it worth burning a roster spot on an 11-game Wednesday for a guy who might play 19 minutes? Ah, probably not also. But everyone's jumped on because he scored a lot of points in the last game. And in these sort of situations... Not a problem. Reed can be a fringe 12-team league guy. But a lot of times, the guys in your league that react to these sort of moves, that try and chase the points, they're the guys you might be able to... Um, I don't know. I want to put this relatively... Sorry if any of you added Nas Reed. Don't mean to call you out here. Um, I'll put this delicately. You might be able to scam the shit out of them in trades. If they're going to be that reactive to an individual scoring performance you might be able to really, really grind in the buy low, sell highs on them. That is distinctly possible. If they're going to overreact, and maybe they're the person who's like, oh, I'm never I'm never drafting this guy again because you know uh, Donovan Mitchell scored three points on 25% shooting in one game. You've got to look for that. Psychology is a big part of fantasy sports. And finding the bloke or the Sheila who goes nuts on individual performances, especially the ones who start going off in a group chat at quarter time. Oh my God, I'm dropping this bloke. Mate, there's three quarters left. That is how we can attack this stuff. And I reckon the guys who do, again, if you are a Nas Reed adder, apologies. But if you're one of those guys who does chase the points, as I yeah, tap the sign, maybe they're the ones to attack. And also, watch who they drop in that scenario. A lot of talk on Nas Reed. Cam Reddish up 11%. Totally made sense. Should, be, should have been rostered. And he gets the bonus. Well, not should have been rostered. Should have been added. And he gets the bonus of being held on to for Thursday. Don't you wish we could all be held on to until Thursday? Wouldn't that be nice? 
Probably as nice as a hot offer from Fangio. Um, Derek Jones Jr., the most added player on Yahoo. I get it. Josh Green is out multiple weeks. I, I, I hovered over adding Derek Jones in a couple of leagues. I didn't have a roster spot to use him today. He wasn't better than any of my players going today. He's going to be fringy 12, I think. I think he'll be okay. It's totally fine to, to add him. I'm not convinced that it's a no-brainer home run, but it's worth a look. Killian Hayes. I, I'm much more interested in adding Killian Hayes because his assists and steals combo is really valuable. He's an out-of-position rebounder whose minutes are pretty strong for the moment. Now, I, I do not believe that Hayes' value lasts long-term. In fact, old mate $70 million legend Monty Williams might actually bench Killian Hayes today to start Boyan. Although, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on record now, Isaiah Stewart's coming off the bench today for the Pistons. I don't know when you listen to this. Isaiah Stewart is going to come off the bench today for the Pistons. I'm ready to be wrong. And I'm ready to be angry, but Stewart's coming off the bench today. Um, but Killian Hayes, I, I think he's worth adding. And then the other one's Orlando Robinson, who we talked about already. With Bam out of bio out, we finally realized, realized it three years too late and three teams later that Thomas Bryant's not it. This is what I don't get, right? <laughs> Thomas Bryant started those games for the Lakers last season. And Bron's like, yeah, me, him, me, Tom, and AD, we're going to all play together. And then they saw him play, and they went, oh, no. And then he was out of the rotation. Then Denver inexplicably traded, what, three second-round picks to get him. He came up to be uh, Nikola Jokic's backup, and they went, oh, no, absolutely not. You're not playing. And then he came to Miami and had, like, four chances to replace Bam Adebayo, sucked in every one of them. And eventually they said, oh, no, it, it must be over. It, it's, got, it's got to be Thomas Bry over now, surely, surely. So Orlando Robinson's the guy. As long as Bam is out, Robinson's it. Now, I don't know how long Bam's banged hip is going to keep him out for. But Robinson legitimately has, if I'm going to be conservative, top 120 value as a starter. Unbelievable numbers through college in Fresno State. Really good numbers in the G League last season. Every opportunity basically he's had in the NBA, the numbers have been pretty good. He's one of those guys a little bit like old Goldfinger Charlie Bassey. Even like a Paul Reed. Even like Nas Reed in the past. Or um, who's the other guy? There's one other, oh, uh, buddy Rashawn Holmes used to be this guy as a backup. The, the stats look great. And Orlando's got that chance now. I don't, I don't mind adding him. I think, again, he would be startable today, more so than what Derek Jones would be. And then you could move on later on if Bam does return. So that's a, that's a personal choice, obviously, as everything is in fantasy. I hope there's no coercion going on for any of your waiver moves. Let's look at the most dropped players. And it warms my heart to see Harrison Barnes dropped in 25% of leagues because you added him for Monday... And now you kick him fully, fully in the rectal opening. Like just get that foot wide open. Get your wingtips on. Out there. Hold him like a lollipop. Get him out of your team. He's out. I'm sure he'll be back in many times. He's going to be an elite streamer. That's what he is. And he's not losing that spot to Sasha Vezenkov. Vezenkov, sorry. Um, but it's just not worth it in a 12-10 league. We know this. We've known this for years, and people are finally waking up to it. Slam and Sammy Hauser and Al Horford down 18%. They were great streams for Monday. We had the chance of them being useful on Thursday. They're not playing Thursday. They play Friday. Hauser's a very clear drop ahead of Horford, but Porzingis might be back on Friday. And even if Porzingis misses again on Friday, I don't think you're going to care about losing Al Horford. I'd rather drop him and get somebody else in on Thursday. The top three drops on Yahoo. Well, DiVincenzo was the most added player on our advanced metric on Basketball Monster over the last 48 hours. He's the most dropped player on Yahoo, which again shows that he was massively added for Tuesday and then massively dropped yesterday, leading to that net gain. Some people haven't quite reacted to dropping him, which they should. But here, yeah, he's a clear drop. Josh Kogi is a clear drop. The Reddish one is very confusing. Why did people drop Cam Reddish after streaming him in for Tuesday when the Lakers won? Did he do a lot? No. He mustn't have scored many points. That is honestly insanity. 
That shows a complete lack of understanding of how to win this week in fantasy basketball. And if you are one of the people that dropped Cam Reddish, again, maybe drop it in the comments. Why did you do it? Now, I guess if like some amazing, some idiot dropped Keegan Murray, for example, as a player who's sitting there um, on your waiver one, you go, well, Reddish is my worst player. I'll sacrifice one game on Thursday to go and add a long-term guy. Absolutely, you should do that. Did that actually happen almost 5,000 times? I really doubt that. So I just think people saw, well, Reddish didn't score very much, even though he played 30 minutes, and he's going to be one of four on one of four teams only playing on Thursday. That seems extraordinarily short-sighted for him to be the third most dropped player over the last day. It just doesn't, it doesn't add up to me. But again, if you did drop Cam Reddish, and you are in this chat or in these comments, tell me. Explain it. Maybe I'm missing something completely off here. It's possible. It happens. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of thousands of people, instead of sharks and pros and spreadsheets and any of that garbage, it is you and numbers. And they put them up and you knock them down. Player points, more or less. Assists, more or less. Rebounds, more or less. You do between two to six of those, stick them into your entry, and you can win up to 25 times your money back on that entry. That's all you need to do. The, the stats go up, you put them down. Easy stuff. And they have so many different players and different stat options they throw up. It's easily why PrizePix is the number one daily fantasy sports app. They also offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, PrizePix discounts selected player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So go to pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That is pricepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and you can use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's go through the rest of this now um, and we're going to look at some hot players, guys who have been top 100 over the last week. I think it's just worth mentioning. A lot of these guys will be rostered. A lot of them won't be. There are... Two names on this list, two names on this list that absolutely should not be available in anywhere near the amount of leagues that they are. There is absolutely no justification for it um, at all. None whatsoever. Obi Toppin's at 54% rostered. I don't think that Obi Toppin is going to be a long-term guy. I think Obi Toppin's a gigantic sell-high player. But he plays on Thursday. Jalen Smith is out. He will get back up center minutes and he is putting up numbers. That number should be 80% plus. You are not playing fantasy seriously if you're not rostering Obi Toppin at the moment. The other name is Leaky Beasley. Not only is Leaky Beasley playing on Thursday, but the man is on one of the hottest hot streaks of all time. He's hitting 48% of his threes. He gets steals. He's rebounding. He's doing shit that I've never seen him do. He's playing 40 minutes a night. Yet 43% of leagues are not adding him. Again, you are not being serious if you don't have Malik Beasley on your roster. The other ones, interesting names. Jeremy Sohan, top 100 over the last week. He is moving into that territory of a 30-minute point guard who probably shouldn't be on the wire to me. Derek Lively, 46% available. In points leagues, I get it. 10-team points, I wouldn't bother. 12-team points, maybe. Category leagues, no excuses. Got to have him. Grayson Allen, 32% rostered. Now, he's a, he's a tricky one. That's a really low number. I believe, let me, double, let me think about this. I think I dropped him today. But that was because I needed to release Tyrese Maxey from injured reserve. So I can see him being dropped. And the fact that he doesn't play until Friday is, is 
an issue, but that is a very low number. He hasn't really budged huge amounts from there, and he has been very clearly a 12-team roster or player all of this time. It won't last, I'm, not, I'm guessing, when Bradley Beal does eventually return in a week to 10 days, but that number is just way too low. So have a look if it makes sense to add him. Given the fact that he's available in 68% of leagues, maybe you can wait until after Thursday to go and add Grayson and get a little bit more value out of him next week. The other one there is the depressed penis, Sadiq Bay, 48% available. Yes, Jalen Johnson is out, and Jalen Johnson will return at some point within the next few weeks. We're guessing three to four weeks. But Bay is definitely the guy that I want over Hunter. He is top 100 over the last week. Not sure what more you could ask for as an injury replacement. These are very, very obvious, I think, guys that should be on rosters um, at the moment. Let's go to the next thing, which is injury replacement players. These are all very, very low percentage guys that we can consider. Don't have to roster him, of course. Derek Rose at 8%. The Grizzlies continue to be an absolute mess. They started Jalen Noel last game with Rose resting. Rose will be back and not resting today. Is he a high-value guy? No. Is he a guy that we want to necessarily add for Wednesday? No. Or Friday? No. But when we're talking longer-term stuff, and especially if we go slightly deeper, I, I think that Rose has got some value for like 14-teamers and some 12s when the schedule makes sense. Moses Moody sits at 7%. I really do value Moody as a player. It is a little bit more of a stash situation, and it's waiting for something that's probably never going to happen. Well, that's not true. There's two ways this is going to happen. An injury to a Chris Paul, a Clay Thompson, or an Andrew Wiggins. There is a chance of that happening. Or the other thing is a, a trade of a Andrew Wiggins or a Clay Thompson, pretty unlikely, or a benching of one of those guys. Again, pretty unlikely. But Moody's value with Paul and Wiggins out has been solid, but also Gary Payton's out for a long time. So Moody at least stabilizes, I reckon, at around 20 a night, which is important for those deeper leagues and pushes him into 12-team stream territory. You could say the same for Pajemski, but his value seems a little bit behind Moody in terms of minutes upside. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, the value can be iffy for him, but the minutes are going to be strong as long as Jaden McDaniels is out. And for deeper leagues, a 30-minute-a-night guy who can pop off, we literally saw it, he won't, but he won't usually, but he can. That has value. And when you're just searching for guys, like you, you'd rather take a 30-minute player than a guy who might play 16 off the bench. Orlando Robinson's there. We talked about it already. I'm going to throw Colin Sexton on this list. He's 43% rostered, and Jordan Clarkson remains out. I think Sexton, especially in a points league, is rosterable today, Wednesday. With Sexton out, with Markinen out, with Linux out. Now, I don't believe in Sexton long-term. I'm pretty sure if you listen to this show for more than two days, you're well aware of my thoughts on Colin Sexton, NBA starter. Those two words don't mesh together or phrases don't mesh together. But Clarkson's out, Markkinen's out, somebody's going to take shots, and boy, does my man Colin Sexton know how to take a shot? Does he know how to make them? Sometimes. Actually, that's not fair. He's relatively efficient. Does he know how to make a pass? That's where we get into debates. But Sexton's going to have this big opportunity. I don't know how long Markkinen or Clarkson or Linick are going to be out, so we can go with it. And he is startable today. The last one there is Jabari Walker. I think the value of Jabari Walker is really interesting today. And in a 14-team league, I reckon he'd be startable because Jeremy Grant's out with concussion and DeAndre Aiden's dealing with this knee thing. So that gives him ability to be maybe the starting four, but if not the starting four, big minute backup four and backup five behind Duop Reith. Um, he could start at the four. And he is a guy that I do think if you have long benches, weekly lineups, any ability to stash, when we hit March, middle of March, Walker's going to be rolling top 75, I think. Not any time before, although right now, maybe. It needs a lot of things to happen, and I think they will happen later in the year. And we get a slight little... Now, maybe I'm completely wrong, and he starts and plays 33 minutes and has six points and two rebounds and makes me look uh, like the dickhead that I am. That, that's possible too, right? 
But we at least get a trial run today and we see how they use him and how he responds and can he do other stuff that isn't involving scoring because Simon, Scoot, Sharp, Brogdon, they, they enjoy a shot. Jeremy Grant enjoys it just as much, but he's not there. So we get to see how Walker fits in and, that, and that's a really, I think, key piece of data for us today. Some other names, Omar Yetseven in Utah. Are they going to continue this literally unbelievable scenario of him starting over Walker Kessler? Imagine me sitting here talking to you guys in September, doing a mock draft, and we get to walk at Kessler and someone picks him in round three. I go, I hate that pick, mate. Because you know what? Omer Yurtseven is going to be the guy. Imagine I said that. Imagine I said it out loud. Every comment would be, you have lost all credibility. You never started with any to begin with. Um, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, well, if you actually watched the game, yet here we are. And Omer Yurtseven is starting over Walker Kessler. At some point, this has to change, Yes. But while it's not changing, Yurt7 amazingly has some stream value. I, I can't believe it. Kayla Martin. I don't think that Kayla Martin's a long-term 12-team league guy, but Bam is out. Highsmith is out. Hero is out. Everyone's banged up on this team. So, yeah, let's do it. Don't think it lasts, but let's do it. Aaron Neesmith. How is Aaron Neesmith? How, that number cannot be real. 15, but How? Aaron Neesmith is going to play close to 30 minutes on a two-game Thursday. I do not think that Aaron Neesmith is a long-term 12, but he's definitely a long-term 14-team league guy. But that 15% is insane. I, who's, a, who's a fun... Colin Sexton's 43% rostered. Yeah, think about that one. Let's talk about Sterling Henderson, who at 50, I get it for the upside, but 15 to Neesmith? Scoot Henderson, 50. I am seeing positive signs. And you know what I like to do with these guys. Sometimes I go early. Did I go a week early on Keontae George? Probably. Was I early on Kobe White? Probably. Are they going to last? I actually have no idea. Was I early on Jalen Williams last season? Yes. Was I early on Mark Williams and Walker Kessler? Yes. Does it involve short-term pain? 100% yes. Well, am I late on guys? Also yes. But with Scoot, I'm just, I don't know how to quantify it. I'm looking at it and going, I understand that rostering Scoot and holding him, we gave it to like the middle of December just to see where this trajectory goes. But I'm already seeing stuff turn. And I think by the time we hit Christmas, he's going to be rolling 30 minutes a night, 17.7 rebounds or four rebounds, seven assists. And then we hit January and we're going to be going at 20 and eight. I think there's a possibility of that. I don't know how I'm, what I'm seeing. I don't know if it's real, but I know that I want to get ahead of the curve. And I'm okay taking an L on a big volume day today and a big volume day on Friday with more assessment time. I just would not leave Scoot on the wire. And he's never been on the wire in any of my leagues. Tillman at 17%. That one I'm not sure about. I do know that Biombo is not a starting NBA center. I'm not sure that Tillman is, although I did see Tillman put up good production as a starting center in the NBA playoffs against Anthony Davis last season. And honestly, that's a tick. He started out this season horribly, but it's one of those situations where he played like four games, shot like 20% from the field, exaggerations on that number, but it was horrible, and people get that sour taste in their mouth. Now, he's obviously not a 20% shooter, but he never got the chance to correct that over the next 10 games, but he's back now. In a 14-team league, I'd definitely be looking at Tillman. 12s, I'm going to be interested to see what happens, but he might be a guy that we add, but I'm not sure the upside is going to be super, super high. And the last one is Jaime Huckers, who's 56% rostered. He should be on a roster at this point. I still remain completely unconvinced that he will be a long-term 12-team league guy. I have heard people talk about Jaime Jaquez like he is um, Victor Wembanyama, 
obviously not quite, but yeah, they've talked about him crazy. I've heard people say, well, the Heat will just find a way and they'll just start him rest of the season. Surely they can't not start him. They're not starting him now. They are not starting him now. And I, I, I know I'm getting fired up about that, but they're not starting him now. And he's doing this while shooting, I think, 48% from three. And again, real life NBA pundits, shout out to them. I love a lot of them. Some of them, shit out. I, lo- I like a lot of them and they, they know what they're talking And they react to what has happened because that is important. This is what has happened. And you know what I'm going to say. Jaime Jaquez shooting 56%. 46% from three over the last 14 games has been amazing for Miami. It's been absolutely sensational. But us, from a fantasy point of view, go, well, this man shot 32% through four years in college, and I'm just sorry, he's not going to stick at 46. And when that goes back to 35 for a week, what the hell is he bringing? One steal, under three assists, four rebounds, 30 minutes a night. None of that is useful. I mean, it's okay. It's good for 14 to 16 teams. But we get, you hear the noise. You hear the heat culture is a hell of a drug, man. Perfect fit. How did we let the Heat do it again? Look at the way he plays. Look at him backing down and being in the right spot. And that is all really true. And he has been super impactful from a real-life perspective. But his fantasy value is floated by hitting 46% of threes. And that just will not hold. So I know I'm just... Maybe I'm going to look stupid. And Jaime Huckers is Steph Curry with longer hair. Maybe that's possible. I mean, it very clearly isn't. But maybe it's possible. But I just think that we roster him. We use him. There's a bunch of guys out. And it is, it is very hard. And one of the things I've learned doing this job as well, part of this is me talking, entertaining, um, providing analysis, but also trying to like teach things that I've learned, is that sometimes things happen and then there's just no way that they can hold. Jordan Hawkins, for example. We said, look, that's great. He's doing this stuff now. But when Trey comes back, do they even need to use him at all? And the answer is no, they don't. And that happened with Omer Yurtseven in Miami a couple of years ago. It's going to happen with, I think, I don't know, but with Goga Badadze. And it might end up happening with Jaime Huckers, who goes down to 24 minutes and shoots 30% from three for two months and has been absolutely useless for most fantasy leagues. Or he could prove me wrong and be very, very strong. That is distinctly true as well. I don't know why I went on a Huckers discussion there. I don't, I, hate, I don't hate the bloke. I think he's actually a really impactful real-life player, which is fantastic for a guy picked in the draft there. I wouldn't have picked him there, and I would be wrong. But what he's also doing now is clearly not going to hold at that level. And that is the end of today's Waiver Wire show. Go ahead. If you are listening to this on audio and you haven't subscribed, tell me how you're doing that for, to begin with. But secondly, go and check out the YouTube channel as well. We are about 500 subs away from 70K. We're on our way to the 100,000 silver play button, which I'd love to get. And you can subscribe over there. You can hit the notification bell and leave your comments down below and tell me how stupid I am about Jaime Huckers. Josh, he's the new JJJ. He's unbelievable. He is the new Steph Curry. He's mixed together. He's Steph JJJ. There you go. Mix it all together. Jaime Huckers. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.